From Kindred Church, your inclusive church family. This podcast is a collection of sermons from our weekly worship services in Durham, North Carolina. Whatever your background is, wherever you are on your faith journey, we hope this message helps you take your next steps in response to God's unconditional love. Well, hello and welcome to Kindred Church. It's so good to be with you if we've not met before. My name is Daniel. I'm the pastor here. And if this is your first time to worship with us, we're so glad that you have tuned in. Uh, Our scripture reading for today comes from Isaiah. We're looking at chapter 60, verses 1 through 5. And it says this, Arise, shine, your light has come. The Lord's glory has shone upon you. Though darkness covers the earth and gloom the nations, The Lord will shine upon you. God's glory will appear over you. Nations will come to your light and kings to your dawning radiance. Lift up your eyes and look all around. They are all gathered. They have come to you. Your sons will come from far away and your daughters on caregivers' hips. Then you will see and be radiant. Your heart will tremble and open wide because the sea's abundance will be turned over to you. The nation's wealth will come to you. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, as many of you know, today is our Commitment Sunday. This is kind of the grand finale of our generosity campaign that we've been doing over the last several weeks. Uh, So at the end of the sermon today, I'm going to encourage all of us who call Kindred our church home uh, to go ahead and submit our confidential financial commitment to support the church in the upcoming year. Uh, As you can imagine, it it really helps the church to know how much each of us plans to contribute so that we can be budgeting and and planning our ministries uh, accordingly. Uh, You'll find the link to the commitment form that is linked in the description. Um, So you can use that and and fill out the short form. Uh, Thanks so much for for doing that. Uh, That said, if you are new to Kindred, if you're just visiting with us today, we certainly don't expect any kind of financial commitment uh, from you. We're glad you're here. We hope you'll stick around and we hope that over time you'll want to be involved in, in what we're doing here at Kindred. Uh, But since it is Commitment Sunday, uh, here's a question that I think it would be good for us to to spend some time reflecting on together this morning. And and that question is, why should I invest myself into Kindred Church? Like, why should I invest my time and my energy and my money into Kindred? Because here's the honest truth. Here's the honest, you know, authenticity is one of our core values here at Kindred. So so we can be real for a second. Uh, What we're trying to do at Kindred Church is hard. It's hard. I mean, doing church anywhere right now is is hard. If you talk to other pastors, if you talk to people in in other churches, uh, the the church as a whole is facing a lot of challenges. But at Kindred Church, it's especially challenging because we're trying to start this new church community. What we're church planting in the midst of all these cultural changes and societal shifts and trends of of people doing church less and less, you know, and here we are trying to start something new in the midst of, of all of that. It can be really, really hard. And as we all know, to, to make Kindred Church work, uh, it, it takes a lot of people who are willing to give time, right? And that's time that we could be spending on other stuff. I, I imagine that probably all of us have friends and, and family members who don't do church and they have a lot more time, right? They have more time for travel. They have more time for rest. They have more time for their kids to do different extracurriculars on, on Sundays. Uh, how many of us probably have friends who are out at brunch right now? You know, they're enjoying like a leisurely Sunday morning, sipping on their mimosas, and, and here we are doing church. It, it takes time and 
And that can be hard, right? Uh, doing church takes people who are willing to volunteer and, and give a whole lot of their energy. And that's energy that we could be spending on other things, right? And instead of being here at church and, you know, showing up to, to put out the donut holes and, and put out the, the signs and talk to strangers and things like that, we could be at home putting our energy into catching up at work or doing stuff around the house or picking up a hobby or, or something like that. It, it takes energy to do church. And, and sometimes that can be hard. It takes a lot of people willing to give money to make church happen, right? And that can be hard as well. Um, you know, God's love is, is free. That will always be true, period. Uh, at the same time, doing church is, is not free. You know, I mean, we, we need a space to meet and that costs money. Uh, we need staff who, who can help to support the volunteers and, and keep us focused on our, our vision so that we can keep making progress in our ministries uh, towards our, our mission. That, that, that costs money, right? Uh, we need programs that are helping people to, to grow in their faith. We need to do outreach so that we can connect with people who need a great church like Kindred in their life. Uh, we, we, we need uh, mission projects, right, to help us to reach out and, and make a difference in the lives of people in our community beyond the walls of our church. Uh, we, we try to do all of these things in the most economical way possible, but the reality is the, these things cost money. And what we know is that this money ultimately has to come from me and it's got to come from you. And that's money that we could be spending on other stuff. I don't know about you, but I've got an Amazon wish list that is very long. And I could afford a lot more of the stuff on my Amazon wish list if I wasn't giving a portion of my income to the church every month, you know? And then I'd be happy because I'd be getting more Amazon boxes and Jeff Bezos would be happy and he would be funding his next rocket or, or whatever, you know? The, the point is it, it takes a lot of people willing to give a lot of money to, to make church happen and, and that can be hard. What we're trying to do here is hard and so it's only natural for us to wonder sometimes, is it worth it? Is it worth it. Now, before you cancel your giving and quit volunteering and, and never show up at church uh, ever again, don't, don't do that. Hear me out uh, because I do have an answer to this. Uh, as it turns out, we are not the first people of faith to run into this same basic question that, that people uh, for literally thousands of years have been asking this, this same kind of question. And, and God knows that this is something that we wonder about, that we wrestle with. And so God gives us an answer to this. And I want to share this with you today because this is something that I keep coming back to uh, over and over and over again uh, on my hardest days, uh, on the days when I really start to wonder, is Kindred Church worth it? And, and yes, I do have those days. Uh, this is something that convinces me time and again that absolutely Kindred is worth all the time and the energy and the money that we're putting into it. So let's take a look at this passage in Isaiah chapter 60, because uh, believe it or not, that's actually what this passage is all about. That's what this passage is addressing for us. Now, quick background here to catch you up if you haven't been with us in recent weeks. We've been in the book of Isaiah, which is a book in the Old Testament part of the Bible. This takes place about 500 years before Jesus. And the main characters here are the Judeans, the, the people of the kingdom of Judah, and they have just been through a really devastating experience. Uh, not long before this, the, the great Babylonian empire came along, and the Babylonians invaded Judah, and they took over everything. They destroyed the city of Jerusalem. They even destroyed the temple, which was the house of God. And not only that, but then the Babylonians carted the Judeans into exile, which means they took a bunch of the Judeans uh, back to Babylon where they made them be servants and slaves. Devastating experience for the Judeans. 
And over the past few weeks, we've been looking at passages for the most part that uh, were addressed to the Judeans while they were in exile, while they were in Babylon. Uh, But today's passage is actually a little bit different. The context has shifted because many scholars, not all scholars, there's some debate about this, but many scholars believe that this passage here in Isaiah 60 is actually addressed to the Judeans after the exile was over. Different situation. So here's what's going on now. After decades in exile, decades of devastation, uh, finally this new empire emerged called the the Persians. The Persians came along, they defeated the Babylonians, and the Persians were a little bit nicer to the Judeans. So they told the Judeans they could leave Babylon, they could go back home to Judah and to their beloved capital city of Jerusalem. And when the Judeans got that news, they were pumped. Like there were no bigger fans of the Persians than than the Judeans because they finally got to go home. And, And on a deeper level, that helped to answer are some of the theological questions that they had been wrestling with of like, has God abandoned us? Is is our mission in the world just derailed permanently? Uh, Well, well, this showed them God was with them and their mission in the world is is back on track. So they're excited. They leave Babylon and they head back to the kingdom of Judah. And they're celebrating until the moment, until the moment when they come over the hill and they finally lay eyes on Jerusalem. When they see the city, suddenly their heart sinks And here's why. The Jerusalem that they saw was not at all like the Jerusalem that they remembered. The Jerusalem they remembered was this big, inspiring, beautiful city. And at the center of the city, up on a hill, was the temple. And it was grand and majestic. And it was this this permanent icon of God's presence among them. But that's not what they saw when they got back from exile. Because remember, the Babylonians had destroyed everything. They trashed it and they left it that way. And so the Judeans get back, and when they look at Jerusalem, what they see is that Jerusalem is a dump. It's a disaster. And like the whole beautiful temple, it's now just a pile of rocks on the ground. And suddenly it hits the Judeans like, oh man, we're going to have to start over. Like we're going to have to rebuild this whole city from scratch. We're going to have to rebuild the whole temple from scratch. And suddenly... They were faced with that same question that we sometimes run into in our context, that question of, is it worth it? I mean, rebuilding all of that, that's going to take so much time. That's going to take so much energy and not not to mention money. It's going to take a whole lot of money. Is, is, Is it worth it? Like, is there something else that we could be doing instead? That's what the Judeans were, were grappling with, were wrestling with here. But once again... God has a message for the Judeans. And so God sends in this preacher named the prophet Isaiah. And and this is what God says to the Judeans through Isaiah. Let me read a couple verses for you again from this this passage in in chapter 60. God says to the Judeans, looking out over the, the rubble that used to be Jerusalem, God says to them, Arise, shine, your light has come. The Lord's glory has shone upon you. And though darkness covers the earth and gloom, the nations, the Lord will shine upon you. God's glory will appear over you. And so nations will come to your light and kings will come to your dawning radiance. God is saying, hey, Judeans, I know that this feels hard right now. I know that you're questioning, is it going to be worth it? But before you quit, before you just give up, first, remember who you are. You're not just any old group of people. And this is not just any old city that we're talking about. God is saying that that you, Judeans, are the light of 
the world, that the light of God shines on you and your job is to reflect that out into the world. God is saying that in this world that is so full of hate, you have this God-given message of love. In this world that is so full of violence, you have this God-given message of peace. In this world that is so full of injustice, you have this God-given message of justice. In this world that is so full of anxiety and depression and despair, you have this God-given message of hope. And in this world that is so full of death, you have this God-given message of life. God is saying that the world is dark and it's so desperate for some light in Judeans. Don't forget, you have the light. In fact, you are the light. And so is rebuilding the city and, and the temple going to be hard? Absolutely. Is it going to take a bunch of your time, a bunch of your energy, a bunch of your money? Yeah, no question. No question, but it's worth it. Because this city and this temple, when you rebuild them, that's going to give you the platform that you need to do what I'm calling you to do, to reflect the light of God into the world around you. And God is saying to the Judeans, listen, if you give up, if you don't do this, who will? You have this light that, that no one else has and, and you need to shine it. And, and so that's why it's worth it. That's why it's worth it, because you are the light of the world, God says. Now, what in the world does that have to do with you and with me? I'm not an ancient Judean, neither are you. I don't live in Jerusalem, neither do you. What does this have to do with us? Well, in the New Testament, Jesus takes this very same message, 500 years later, and Jesus applies it to the church. Jesus applies it to all of his followers, that is you, and that is me. There's this scene in uh, Matthew chapter 5, if you want to look this up later, uh, Jesus goes up on a mountainside to preach. And he ends up preaching what becomes his most famous sermon ever. And, and towards the beginning of this sermon, one of the things Jesus says is he looks out at all his followers and he says to them, you are the light of the world. In other words, you are taking my message. You're going to take my message of, of love and peace and, and justice and forgiveness and hope and life. And you're going to spread that message, not just here, but, but all over the world. You're the light of the world, Jesus says. I think when he said that, it's not in the scripture, but I bet some people started laughing. I bet some people thought that was a joke because Jesus said that to people in Galilee. Do you know where Galilee is? Most Christians don't even know where Galilee is on a map, and Jesus is from there, right? That, that's how out of the, you know, like out of the way remote that this place is. It was considered the armpit of the Roman Empire. And most of the people, when Jesus says, you're the light of the world, the people that he was saying that to, by and large, couldn't read, they couldn't write. Uh, most of them had never been more than 90 miles from their homes before. They had zero political power. They couldn't even vote or anything like that. And yet Jesus says, you are the light of the world. I bet some people started laughing at that. Because for, for people like this to do something like that, that wouldn't just be hard. That would be like impossible. And yet, and yet there were at least a few people in the crowd that day who took Jesus at his word. And thank goodness for us and thank goodness for the world. There were a few people in the crowd that day who said, okay, Jesus, uh, what you just said sounds impossibly hard. Being the light of the world sounds like it's going to take everything that we've got and then some. But they said it's worth it. 
to shine the light of God into the darkness of this world. It's worth our time. It's worth our energy. It's worth our money to do this. Many of them went on to say, it's worth laying down my life to shine the light of God into the darkness of this world. And you know how the story unfolds after that. The followers of Jesus, they go on to start this new thing, this new movement called church, right? And, and from the very beginning, church was hard. Read the New Testament. Like a bunch of the New Testament is just about how hard church is. It's always been hard. But over and over again, followers of Jesus have said, yes, but it's worth it. It's worth it. And for 2,000 years, followers of Jesus have continued to do things that are hard, but worth it. You know, uh, not to, to discount many of the horrible mistakes the church has made. And some of you have personal experience with mistakes the church has made. But sometimes we forget it was followers of Jesus who went out into the world and invented homeless shelters. It was followers of Jesus who invented hospitals. It was followers of Jesus who invented universities. Why? So that they could shine the light of God into the darkness of the world. It was followers of Jesus who've led abolition movements and civil rights movements and, and public health campaigns and, and so much more to, to shine the light of God into the darkness of this world. And none of that is easy. In fact, all of that was really, really hard. It was really, really costly. But the people who did those things said, yeah, but it's worth it to shine the light of God into the darkness of this world. You are the light of the world, Jesus says. So let's bring this back to Kindred Church specifically. Why is it worth our time, our energy, our money to, to keep investing so much into Kindred Church? Well, it's worth it, even though it's hard, because already we are shining the light of God in powerful ways into the darkness of this world. I could talk about this forever, but I want to lift up just a few examples for you today. At Kindred Church, we are proving to our neighbors, we're proving to each other that a church can be biblical and inclusive at the same time. In fact, we're proving that church should be inclusive because it's biblical. Like, I don't know if you know this, but that's not happening all over town, friends. Uh, we're doing it at Kindred Church, and that's light in the darkness. I was uh, in a conversation recently with a woman who was on the verge of tears because she was telling me that, that for years she had been looking for a church like Kindred. And finally, she just gave up. Because she just figured that, that any church that was biblical would never fully embrace her because of her sexual orientation. But then she found Kindred Church, and now she's part of our church family. And she's following Jesus with us, and we're following Jesus with her, and we're better for it. And she's better for it. That is light in the darkness. It's light in the darkness. Now, at Kindred Church, we're making space for people who have walked away from church in the past or for people who've been pushed away from church in the past to find their way back. I don't know if you know this, but the majority of our first-time visitors at in-person worship are people who haven't been involved in a church for at least a year before they showed up at Kindred. Right? We're, we're making space for, for people to, to find their way back and, and in some cases for people to find their way into church for the very first time in their lives. That is light in the darkness. Uh, at Kindred Church, we are forming communities of people who are sharing the burdens of life together in powerful, powerful ways. We've had at least 55 people participate in our small groups ministry over this past year. And these people are meeting together week after week after week. And every week they're getting together to, to process serious things, sometimes really heavy things, things like infertility, uh, things like marriage struggles, things like 
parenting struggles, things like mental health challenges, real, sometimes very, very heavy stuff. And we're creating space for people to, to process that in a community of prayer and a community of faith and love and support where there's no shame, where there's no judgment, there's just love. That's not happening all over town either, right? But we're making it happen at Kindred and that's light in the darkness. Or think about our kids, think about uh, our, our children. You know, we are teaching our children at Kindred to root their identity in the unconditional love of God. Do you know how important that is? You know what a difference that's going to make, not just now, but in their lives later? And we're equipping our kids with a faith that is biblical and inclusive at the same time so that they don't have to grow up feeling like there's a conflict between those things. How many of us grew up feeling like there was a conflict between biblical and inclusive? And how many of us still have scars from that that we're working through, that we're trying to find healing for? Our kids are going to be growing up with a truer, better faith because of what we're doing here at Kindred. And they're going to be able to lean on that faith, not just now, but for the rest of their lives. That is light in the darkness. I could go on and on. I mean, this is to say nothing of the ways that we're feeding the hungry, of the ways that we're teaching people to pray, of the ways that we're sending people out into Durham every single week. We're sending people out into Chapel Hill, into Raleigh, into Hillsborough every single week to embody the love of Jesus at home, at work, at school, wherever they find themselves in so many ways. That is light in the darkness. It's light in the darkness. And, and here's what I want you to hear today. We are just getting started. We're just getting started. You know, it hasn't even been a year since we launched in-person worship and we're already shining the light in all these different ways. Can you imagine what we're going to be able to do next year? Can you imagine what we're going to be able to do the year after that and the year after that if we can keep all of this going? It's incredible to think about because there's so much more that we can do and there's so much more that we will do. But what we have to understand is that it's not going to be easy it's going to be hard sometimes. We're going to have to keep giving a whole lot of our time. We're going to have to keep giving a lot of our energy. And, and certainly we're going to have to keep giving a lot of our, our money. That's, that's just a, a reality. And so this Commitment Sunday today is a time for us to, to take a step back and to take a deep breath and to pray and then to, to say, I'm going to step up and I'm going to keep stepping up. I'm going to keep stepping up even when it's hard because it is worth it. It is worth it. Jesus is calling Kindred Church right here and right now to be the light of the world. And we have to ask ourselves, just like those ancient Judeans, if we don't, who will? If we don't answer that call, who will? The reality is Jesus is calling us to do it. So let's step up, let's commit, and let's together answer the call that Jesus has given us. Amen. Well, now, friends, I would encourage you, if you haven't already done so, uh, go ahead and submit your confidential financial commitment to support Kindred Church in 2023. Uh, again, if you are new to Kindred, if you're a visitor with us, don't worry about this. We're not expecting a financial commitment uh, from you. But if you consider Kindred to be your church home as I do, uh, now is the time to, to make that uh, commitment and, and submit that form. Uh, as we've tried to, to tell you throughout this campaign, our goal is not a particular dollar amount that we're trying to raise, but 
really our goal is 100% participation, that everybody in the Kindred Church family uh, would consider how they're able to, to contribute and, and contribute that. If we can all just be generous with, with what we have, we know that we're going to be empowered for an exciting new year of ministry in 2023. Uh, so that commitment form is linked for you in the description. So, so check that out. I'd invite you to do that uh, prayerfully and, and with intention. Uh, we'll be back in touch with you in the days ahead with an update on the campaign, and, and we'll be able to share the results uh, with you. A couple other quick things here for us before we go. Uh, if you are new to, to Kindred Church, I would love to connect with you. And the best way to do that is if you click the connect link in the description here. Uh, I'll follow up with you and, uh, and reach out and say hey later this week. I look forward to, to connecting. Uh, also, if you're local, we would love to see you in in-person worship. You can get all the details about how to do that on our website. It's kindrednc.church. Uh, and then finally, as always, click the announcements link. That'll take you to this week's newsletter. And that has everything you need to stay up to date and, and engaged and, and connecting and, and growing in your faith with us here at Kindred Church. So with that, friends, remember that we love you. We hope you have a great week and may the peace of Christ be with you. Thanks for tuning in. If this message was meaningful to you, consider sharing it with a friend who might also find it meaningful. To support this ministry, to get involved with Kindred Church, or to learn more about us, check out our website, kindrednc.church. We hope you have a great week.